Uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, God, we come before you uh, knowing that uh, your mercies sometimes uh, are hard to experience because they come through the tears that we face in life, but your mercy is always there, and we're grateful uh, that we're held up by your grace when we're unaware of it, and Lord, we are held up by your grace uh, through the love that you showed us, through good people that you bring into our lives. Help your grace to flow into our lives, through us, into the world as the offerings that have been presented bless your world in your name. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm Ed Glaze, one of the pastors here at Boone United Methodist Church. Glad that you are here uh, this morning. I hope uh, this day is going to be a blessing for you. Uh, one thing that blessed me as we completed the sermon series last week on uh, God's grace and uh, the way grace works in the world and in our lives is that uh, we had uh, basketball and biscuits uh, on Friday, and that's coming up again on March 1st. Coach Kearns came and did a great job of, of uh, talking to us. And uh, people are going through the line at the breakfast and saying, hey, where's the grace? Where's the grace, meaning where were the grits? So, so pe people remember that little analogy about, you know, grace is like grits. So uh, that, you know, if you got one thing from that series, you know, that whenever you get grits, you're gonna rem be reminded of grace. Okay, so hopefully you'll get a lot of both in your lives. We're starting today a Lenten series on, on, on humility. And, you know, humility, that's a hard word for us. You know, we, we don't like to think about being humble, do we? You know, it, we're taught in so many ways that, you know, humility is weakness. It's the strong that survive. It is the fittest that make it. It is by our strength and our clawing and our fighting. And that's how we get ahead. You know, it is not by humility but by power and might. Those are the ones that succeed in life, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're taught in so many ways by uh, the way we present our, our culture, by the movies that we watch, by the superheroes that we follow. You know, you don't see superheroes being humble and meek, do you? No, they're out there, well, whipping up on people, right? That's why they're called superheroes in some people's minds. And also, you know, we, we don't think about humility in terms of our consumeristic culture. I mean, our culture is designed. Everything that we see on television is to get us to buy something for ourselves, to experience something for ourselves. It's all about me. It's all about uh, our getting things and acquiring things, achieving things, experiencing things. I mean, that's what the whole economy of America is based on. It's not based on giving up things or thinking of others above ourselves, is it? We don't deal much with humility, do we? But this whole Lenten season, we're gonna be looking at the humility of Jesus and how Jesus shows for us the example of what it means to lead a life that has the ultimate authority, which is a life of humility a life that is willing to sacrifice. And the lens through which we are going to view Jesus and view this series is a verse, that, verses that come from Paul's uh, letter to the church at Philippi, uh, the second chapter. And we asked you in a, 
article that was sent out, hopefully you read, to be looking at this verse every day throughout the Lenten season. And we're going to read it every Sunday during Lent together. And we're going to do it from different versions of the scriptures. And today we're going to look at the New International Version of this. So, Sam, if you'll put on the screen, please, uh, this text from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And it's the lenses through which we're going to look at this whole series, okay? So, here you go. Let's read together, please. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. My stars, how would this world be different if all of us lived in such a way that we don't think of our own interests, we think of others first. We have the same mind that was in Jesus Christ who emptied of himself. How would our world be different? How would our families be different? How would our church be different? Our community be different? How would our politics be different? If humility was the core value of who we are, because that's the value of who Jesus is. That's what it said right there. He emptied himself of everything, everything for you and for me. The word humility uh, literally means to bow down before, to give up self for others, to bow down before somebody or something for the betterment of somebody else. And we're going to start in an unusual place with humility because I'm sure you all thinking some of the stories that come to mind about Jesus. You know, you're thinking about, well, you know, he said that those who serve are the greatest in the kingdom. And we're going to talk about that later on. You might be thinking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We're going to talk about that too. And next week we're going to even talk about something that seems humble. It's kind of related to this text where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're going to talk about God's camping trip next week. But we're just going to start from before the beginning of time to talk about the humility of Jesus. So... Hold on to your hats. This is going to be a science lesson as well as a, something on theology. It comes from the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, the first four verses. Here now the word of the Lord is found in the good news according to John. In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What is coming into being in him was life, and the life is a light of all people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. These verses from John relate to also something Paul wrote earlier historically from Colossians 1 where Paul writes these sayings. In him and by him and through him, all things are made, visible and invisible, powers and kingdoms, dominions, and thrones, all things were made by him, through him, for him. 
and he holds all things together. Now, this doesn't sound very humble, does it? You know, wow. I mean, this is the one who made everything. Wow. This, this second person of the Trinity, this thing that we call Christ, this person that is Jesus. It's an interesting word that John uses here, logos. You know, logos. If you look that up, what it means literally is word. That, you know, if you want to translate it literally, it does mean, mean word. And that's an interesting term to use, the word. What is word? Well, again, this is a little bit philosophical here, but our Greek friends came up with this term logos, a philosopher back in the 5th century BC, came up with this word, his name's Heraclitus, and he said, the word is that of which is reasoning or ordering of the divine into the world. Reasoning or ordering of the divine into the world. So when John is writing, he's writing the ordering mind of God is what brought things into the world. This, again, is highlighted earlier on in Scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 says, He laid the foundations of the earth by his wisdom, by his understanding. He set the sky into the air. By his knowledge, he brought forth the rain and the dew from the clouds on the earth. God's wisdom, this ordering of God, made everything happen. And there's hints that there is this divine community of God in the Old Testament. Yeah, we read in, in Genesis 1, let us make them in our image, in our image, let us make them. We'll talk about that in just a second. But in, in Proverbs 8, now we're going to read this on the screen right here. You don't have to read it with me, but I'm going to read it to you. Um, because I can see further better than I can see up close. So we're, we're going we're to re read this on the screen. Thank you, Dr. Kronz. Okay. Let, let, <laughs> uh, the Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Note, he created from the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there's no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the foundations of the deep. When he assigned the sea to its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. There is this wisdom of God, this logos of God, this word of God that was working in and through God to make all things, and we call this the Christ that will come to earth, as we'll talk about more next week. It seems that there is this divine community that Scripture hints at from the beginning, before the beginning of time. This concept that we know as the Trinity was there, making, creating, ordering. Before anything was formed, it was there. Now, I don't know about y'all, but back where I came from, some people would say that God made the world because God had this need to love something. Did any of y'all ever hear that as a kid? I, I mean, maybe just down in the deep south, we, we said those type of things. But I, I heard that as a kid, 
that there, you know, some, God needed something to love, so that's why he made everything. Horse feathers. Before the beginning of time, there was community. There is this divine order of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the best way we can grasp it in our own minds. But there is this community that was there. And I, I love the way that Delia Aelia talks about this. She is a PhD in pharmacology. But she felt called by God to enter into the Franciscan order. So she's a Franciscan who knows about science. So she writes about science and the, and the way it's all, God has formed everything. She gives it this theological perspective. She said, God loved everything into being. And through this divine love, it, it formed the created world that out of this love, God invokes and invites using the words, let it be, not let's make this command, let it be, let this light come forth, let this land come forth, let the seas come forth. It's a, a family inviting someone else to join the dance and the song. The creation, the creation is God's family inviting something else to participate in the dance of love that is the Trinity. I love that imagery, don't you? This imagery that out of love, here came this created order, this world. Not out of need, but just out of the nature of who God is, wanting to spread out the love that is already there from before the dawn of time. It's pretty special, isn't it? To think about that God out of love this brought forth something entirely new. Now we know from 1 John 4 that God is spirit. So something that God did is enter into a new realm of reality that the unseen world, as it said there in Colossians, formed something entirely new, something that had never been known before. 14 billion years ago, something happened and occurred. The great apologist of the second century, Origen, said that the, when God created the world, it was like the clashing of symbols. And if I thought ahead, I would have had Tim clash some symbols right at this point. It, it was the Big Bang, as our scientific friends are telling us. Origen described that this moment that God made everything, there was this big bang, and the spiritual world entered into the material. The Spirit of God, as it says in Genesis 1, went across the void of nothingness and brought forth light. It is like a new reality entered into another reality, and the material world was formed out of the humble love of God. Something new transpired 14 billion years ago. Wow. Wow, 14 billion years ago. God's Spirit formed the material world. A new reality came into existence that had never been there before. And it's hard for us to comprehend because we're flesh and blood. 
But God is spirit entering into materiality, forming time, forming space, making light that can be seen. I guess the best way for me to describe it is, you know, we do every now and then have thunderstorms up here. You don't have thunderstorms like you do on the ocean. But if you, if you see a thunderstorm, you'll know that when lightning forms, what happens is two clouds butt up against each other and they form a charge with so much heat that it's hotter than the sun. Did you know that? When lightning forms, it is hot. Thank you, Nathan. You've, you, you're paying attention in science. Uh, there, yeah, lightning forms and then there's a big boom of thunder. That's what happened. The best way I can explain it is that the immaterial spiritual world interacted with the void of nothingness, and there's this great boom, the great bang, the big bang. And within three minutes, scientists tell us all the material of the known universe was formed to create the stars, the moon, the sun, the aardvarks, the sea slugs, and you and me. At that very moment, within three minutes, it's all there. I guess, you know, I, I have to use analogies getting get my little peanut head around things. And so, you know, what, what God was doing was like what a potter does. You know, the, the potter thinks of something, you know, it's the wisdom of God. And then like the spirit using the hands begins to mold something that was not there before. Using material, again, this, this is the best analogy I can think of because God created out of nothing. So out of the nothingness that was there, God was like that potter made something that was not there ever before. And then the potter goes and gives that vase away in humility because out of love, she made this for someone else. It, you know, I'm, I'm a word person, so I have to use it this way. And, and those of us that use words, we, we think along this lines. you know, there is an idea that came to my mind. And it formed through my pen, through my typewriter, imagine those old things, through a word processor, onto the page to be read, to be recited, to be acted upon. Something that was not there before until my mind conceived it and my hand put it down on the paper. And any time that we do something creatively that is being used as a gift given to others to bless the world, to give glory to God, we are imitating this one who made everything out of love. Everything out of love. Every time we do that, Johann Sebastian Bach, you know, uh, yeah, I've, I listen to that stuff, believe it or not. Uh, Johann Sebastian Bach was so wondrously creative, such a genius for writing music, that his music has been entitled The Fifth Gospel. For in the creativity of who Bach was, he would take what was given to him in his mind and set it through ink to paper, producing glorious music. And on every ream of music that he wrote, he put at the top this, I bet some of you all know this, solo dea gloria, to the glory of God. Every time 
We are creative. And we do so for others or for the glory of God. We are acting out of the humility of God, at this humility of this Christ that formed everything. Every time someone does something like that. It's like when our, our musicians, like Kathy and Dana and, and Justin Dale playing and like Lydia did today. All, all of our musicians turning talent into praise of God. Oh, Crystal, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Lydia does it too, but yes, Crystal, sorry about that. Yeah, Chris, see, I don't know you're singing, so that just came to my mind. Yeah, but Chris, yeah, well, Crystal does that. Yeah, every time. Someone, Joanna Fonville, weaves a basket into something that's so beautiful, and she gives it away or sells it to make money for missions. It's Diane Rose taking some flowers and creating something like this is Peggy Fugate knitting together what was just yarn and a bunch of mess in a basket and making beautiful blankets that are signs and symbols of people being blanketed in prayer. It is our teachers of our young people taking imagination and turning it into the magic of biblical stories being lived out. It is people going on mission trips, using their creative genius to turn wood and stone and plaster into a home for someone whose house was damaged by a tornado, a wheelchair ramp for someone who is disabled. It's Doug Kaufman turning creativity of his musical mind into wondrously comforting music at the Selah services. It's much more. I could do a whole sermon. In fact, I could spend the rest of the time talking about how God is using the creativity in your lives to bless others, bring glory to God. Using what you've been gifted with to bless others. That is imitation of who God is in our world. Imitation of Christ who created not for self, but for us. For as far as we know, we're the only creatures in the universe. We haven't discovered anything else with all those spacecrafts going way into the solar system and, and our telescopes looking way into the galaxies. We still haven't discovered anything else in all the universe that appreciates what God has done. And so we receive this all humbly as a gift, to be given as a gift. And we have to realize that God and God's humility has given us great freedom, given this planet great freedom. It's constantly evolving. This universe is constantly evolving. There are supernovas exploding right now way in the universe. There are stars being formed way in the universe. There are stars that are, are dying way there in the universe. Animals are constantly changing and evolving. And it's amazing when people see that, that God is working through all of these things. And that we humans are pretty late to the party in all of this. We really are, you know. There's algae was formed before we were. There were sea slugs before we were. There were dinosaurs that formed before we were. We are pretty late to this party, and yet we are called into the divine image. Barbara Brown Taylor, the great preacher, 
says that as we look at Genesis chapter 1, on day 6, you know, we think, oh, that's our day. You know, that's my day. I'm, that's a human day. I, you know, I'm so special. I get, I get that day to myself. No. She reminds us that the cows are created on the same day we are. In fact, they're, they're mentioned twice, in fact. Cows get more billing than we do. And she says, you know, that it should make us very humble to realize that we have come along very late to the game in the created order. It makes us humble. And, and I love the way she concludes uh, her, her part in this message she's preached. She said this, and she said, there are the cows mooing while we are laid in the manger of the divine image to have dominion over the elders of our planet. Wow, isn't that a powerful line? Isn't that a powerful line? Yeah, we uh, have this great calling to have dominion over the elders of our planet, but it's something we, we receive in much humility. Because, as I said, all these other things were made before we were, and then God creates us to, well, have dominion over it. And that word dominion has caused a lot of trouble. But I love what my professor from my doctoral program, Walter Brueggemann, I know some of you all have heard of that fella. He's probably one of the greatest Old Testament theologians of our day. He says this, how do we have dominion over this that we have been given charge over? Well, should we not then have dominion over this created world like God has dominion over us? How God loves us and rules over us, and how is that? Well, we describe it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. How does a shepherd tend to his sheep? He lays down his life, does he not, for the sheep? And so in the humility of this God that has dominion over all the earth and all, all over the universe, and he's given this loving dominion over this world placed in our care, should we not then love and serve this world just like God has laid down his life as it said in Philippians 1 for us in Jesus Christ? Do we not then see ourselves as part of this created order, stewarding this world as the gift that it has been given to us? And how then does that change our perspective of this word dominion? How does it change our ethics and related to this created world in which we are governors of, have dominion over? How does it change the way we think about how we interact with the creation, our ethics of handling our waste, how we drive, how we look towards, how we are stewarding, shepherding, loving this that we have been given charge over. Are we, are we treating it the way that God treats us in love? Hmm. Interesting. Two other things. How do we respond to this great humility of God that invites us into being, that loves us into being, into creating, into creation. How do we, how do we respond? Well, two ways, with thanksgiving, with wonder. 
Thanksgiving. I mean, I hope that you realize how wonderful it is to be in this universe and in this world, taking time to give thanks. We live in a truly gorgeous area. Y'all know that. A lot of stuff, and we all have moved here to participate in the beauty of this place. So, yeah, we can go out and look at the glorious mountain right behind our church, looking at the property that has been entrusted to us by our old elders in this church. I mean, we, we have beauty around us, but take time, if you would, just to notice some small things, like a leaf, a bug. Uh, look at uh, the trees swaying and uh, sometimes really whipping it, blowing wind around here. It, it, taking time to look at, at this, just the smallest things on earth and give thanks that you have the eyes to see that. You can hear the crow call. You can hear the cardinal sing. Giving thanks for that. I love nothing better than to wake up at the sunrise and see how the sun is painting the bare trees purple and gold and red. Beautiful. You all don't have to go outside to do all this thing. You can wiggle your fingers. Man, that's pretty special. My godson is in medical robotics at Vanderbilt University, and they are using all sorts of formulas trying to get machines to do something that you and I can do just by thinking of it. What a wonder. Wow. We can practice it right now. I'm not going to ask you to wiggle fingers. Everyone think, oh, gosh, that church is going crazy. But we can do it by breathing. Just put your hand on your chest just a second, you know? Put your hand on your chest, you know? Think about that. Notice your breath. You're going to do that 20,000 times today. 7.5 million times this year. Breathe in and recall that the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God, breathed into the first human, the breath of life. Breathe in life. Breathe out thanks. That's something that's a constant in our lives. And when you notice your breath, you calm down, relax. You realize that it ain't so bad out there. I'm alive. Thank you. What a gift. The other thing is be lost in wonder. Yeah, lost in, in wonder of it all. And as we take time to get lost in the wonder of this created order, humbly given to us by this Christ, well, we gain a perspective. We, we gain some peace. We gain uh, some understanding that this world truly is big and beautiful and bright, no matter what is happening in the world around us. When we think about the wonder of creation, I, I have to turn to Psalm 8. I'll read it to you real quick. It says, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you're mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you've made them a little lower than God, crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, the birds of the air, fish of the sea, whatever passes the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic your name in all 
the earth. Take time to wonder. Take time to wonder. It gives you perspective on all the things that are going on in the world. And it gives you a sense of peace. I close with a poem by uh, Wendell Berry, uh, The Peace of the Wild Things. You may have seen it or read it. Wendell Berry is a farmer, naturalist, someone who is in love with the created world that God has made. And it is something with which I think helps us as we look at the world and our lives. Wendell writes, when despair for the world grows in me and I awake in the night at the least sound of, in fear of what my life and my children's lives might be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests and the beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with the forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the dry blind day blind stars waiting for the light. For time, I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. Race, rest in the grace of the Christ who made all this humbly for us to enjoy, to, to have dominion over, to love. And as you rest in the grace of this one who made everything, offering it humbly for us, You'll be at peace, and you'll be, at, you'll be free. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who humbly created all things and called them good, the birds, the sea creatures, the sun, the moon, you, and me. For these things, O oh God, we get lost in wonder and praise, and we give you thanks. We ask this through the Christ, through whom and by whom you made all things and called them good.